I've returned to Earth with an important message, which is, uh... <laughs> you had a nice, nice vacation. Nice. <laughs> it was nice. I got to go home for a bit, saw my family, uh, replenished my energons, and now I'm back <laughs> on this garbage rock, here to say, uh, practice empathy. Oh, good. And radical kindness. Mm, good. I will say I did spend a substantial amount of time researching whether or not and if and how much of, if so, of the X-Files theme song I could legally play on our podcast. <laughs> and the answer is inconclusive. So if I figure it out later, we'll play it here. <laughs> That's off-tune enough to protect you from copyright. There. Did there. you know that that sequence won an award for best visual effects? Amazing. Did Amazing. you know that the the person who during my research found out that the guy who wrote it uh that was feeling like he was writing it and he felt like he was like kind of stuck with it and like out of frustration or something he ended up accidentally putting his hand on the keyboard and it made that echoing effect and he did it on accident <laughs> and it's like the most iconic thing in the song and he was like this is it and that's how that's how the song was born i think amazing. that's amazing yeah it's pretty good so uh, yeah i'm sad that i could have no conclusive evidence whether or not i could play like six seconds of that song in our podcast well, what if I like tweet at Fox? Do you think they'd let me use it? Gosh, well, they're <laughs> historically known for being so generous with their intellectual properties. They might as well try. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I can only hope so. But uh, hi, welcome to Stone Houses, uh, an amateur guide to fiction, fable, and folklore. I'm Laura Burnett at Meeker, air quotes. <laughs> and I'm Caitlin Bruder. We had a pretty we had a pretty science heavy episode last week, didn't we? Ugh, science. So I'm good. done with science We're this week. Throwing science to the wayside. No science. I still love you. No science here. <laughs> I say, clutching science protectively to my chest. <laughs> nope, no science. No one saw it here because a science is ex- excluding my fun friends. The ufologist, <laughs> who everyone likes and enjoys. A disclaimer at the top of the episode. If you consider yourself a ufologist, I would recommend skipping this episode, <laughs> because I don't want anyone to be mad at me. <laughs> and that's the extent of my reasoning. <laughs> yeah, same, in the, in a similar vein as as every episode we do, we don't want to belittle or berate anyone for their views or uh, their beliefs or that mm. sort of a thing. We're just going to mm. present the things that we have researched. Um, and, I'm going to present something I Bernadette, researched in a borderline disrespectful way. So We may or may not feel a small amount of passion about the things we will say. I know there is one segment we have planned that I, both of us are going to get very heated about. And, you know, you're just, you're all here on along for the ride, and it's going to be a good time. So, welcome. Yep. A good time. Welcome to Stone Houses, the very polite and very <laughs> accepting space that we built for ourselves and for you. <sighs> all what right. Do to, what do you want to start with? Well, gosh. Uh, do you just want to start talking about ufology? Go for it. Right off the bat. Let's right do it. Right off the top. Okay, so we talked a lot about it last episode, how we believe aliens exist in the sense that we believe extraterrestrial life exists, that it is almost statistically impossible that it doesn't. <laughs> or hasn't uh, at some point. But we want to talk about ufology, specifically the study of uh, of aliens coming to, coming to Earth, coming to the big... <laughs> to the little blue orb, mm-hmm. just to, you know, stick their fingers up people's butts and <laughs> maybe steal technology or kill Kennedy or whatever. Um, so let's talk about UFOs, unidentified flying objects, which have, uh, some people have apparently rebranded uh, this, this quote-unquote science in the last... Uh, 20 years or so because they don't like being associated with ufology. <laughs> but 
Uh, just for reference, on the Wikipedia page, underneath all of this, <laughs> it comes up with uh, many things such as uh, the Black Triangle, Flying Saucer, saucer, Food Fighter, Ghost Rockets, Green Fireballs, Mystery Airship, uh, Nazi UFOs, Pretty Wild, <laughs> yep. which uh, I expect probably has to do something with, like, you know, band technology, Hydra, whatever. Look, <laughs> the Nazis weren't wizards and aren't wizards. They're just racists. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, ufology talks a lot about finding UFOs. And uh, we we love, I love, SETI, which is the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, which is a real <laughs> a real program that is searching the forms of communication that we as humans have invented in a way that we are looking to find signals from possibly other intelligences. So, you know, uh, early on, radio signals, but we've moved into other kind of signals as well, uh, different kinds of radiation uh, can, uh, we can detect now different kinds of signals that we weren't able to detect in, say, you know, the 1960s. Uh, we have a lot of telescopes and a lot of uh, radar dishes, and we have a lot of smart people listening and thinking and doing this, but are not terribly well-funded because, uh, you know, Poor SETI gets lumped in with some other stuff. One thought that I think is kind of cool about, like, the fact that we're sending out, like, radio waves and stuff into, into oh, space yeah. is, like... We're saying hi. Yeah, we're trying to say hi. And I don't... Like, like we mentioned last episode, like, the kind of... The thought where, like, that any sort of life is going to have evolved in a way that would be compatible at all with our society is bizarre. Like, I mean, maybe they are, but, like, also, like... The minuscule chance that, A, our radio waves and our, our radiation waves and the things that we're sending out are even remotely in the right direction with the vastness of space is so bananas that that one area is going to be able to pick something else. But also, the fa like, the thought the that... The idea that it, we would be using the same kind the of... The same type of technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, that's wild to me. I love... I mean, like, good on them, but, like, it's all very, like, it's difficult to believe that, like... I don't know. Maybe they would. Maybe they. Maybe some intelligent life would pick it up. But also, it's just like with how vast the universe it's is and the amount like of possibilities. A, bananas. If you're not familiar with Voyager, it has um, you know all of these recordings of people's daily lives and music and uh, and like illustrations and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, I want to read to you. This is from Vox, but um, it's referencing uh, in parts uh, SETI and. Um, NASA and uh, the director of the Carl Sagan Institute, Seven yeah. Steps for Finding Extraterrestrial Life, which is one, survey our solar system's ocean worlds. Learn more about that. What's in there? <laughs> Two, explore nearby ocean worlds with follow-up probes. This is getting very much into ocean. <laughs> You're not going to yeah. enjoy these first three steps. Step three, bring back ocean samples to Earth. <laughs> so... Caitlin's going to get quietly angry about things. <laughs> Find planets and other solar systems. Narrow down the planets. Suitable life. Scrutinize the atmospheres. Search for life in these atmospheres. So pretty much what we were talking about before yeah. is that trying to go about it in a scientific way is not particularly exciting because in the fullness of time uh, and the immensity of the universe, the idea that in the last 60 years somehow us um, playing radio is going to attract <laughs> alien attention is pretty wild. Mm -hmm. uh, so keep in mind that time is big and fake, and the universe is also enormous. It's pretty so, real, but just intangible to us. It's one of those things where uh, there's probably a word for it, uh, where people have kind of a fallacy about, well, it seems long to me, so yeah, it yeah. must have been taking forever. Very, anyway. very, we, we tend to look at things out of, out of, it makes sense, but a lot of, a lot of things we have, we have to, to comprehend them, look at things in an earth or human centric way, which. It's hard not to. It's hard it not to. keep you alive. Yeah. But it puts things also, in context. Yeah. But like also with this type of thing, we're dealing with a very non-human, non-earth thing. So it's like, it's, it's similar to me. It feels similarly to the concept of like, we're making a spacecraft 
to go and live in space, but you're making it on Earth. Whereas, like, it's been propositioned, right. maybe we should be making our spacecrafts in space. Like, that's very cool, very bananas concept to me. So it's 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 per, per, perception yeah. of things. So this kind of frustration with the uh, the fact that to a lot of people this kind of science feels very distant, and uh, to some people overly intellectual or somehow cold, um, says a lot about you know human feelings about things and how we like to feel at the middle of things. And that's why we also have ufology, which, um, again, I'm doing my best. I would compare it at best to a highly regulated, like, hobby, almost like train spotting, but with a layer of, like, an ARG laid in, where a lot of it is this agreed-upon fiction that people have, have, wholesale created either referencing genuine report genuine like reports from people believe them or creating their kind of vast uh books of of mythology that is essentially like wholly made up but becomes referenced and referenced over and over so it kind of becomes this like cyclical thing like you know when you are looking up uh, trying to research something and you keep encountering like the same paragraph because people have just, just copied copy and pasted, and pasted it yeah it's essentially a lot of the research that goes into these research is just kind of people handshaking other people who have made similar ideas and who have retreaded the same ground or are coming up with their own uh, stories, usually stuff that's borderline spiritual. That's why there are a lot of religions associated with ufology, including Heaven's Gate. Uh, and including Scientology, because there is a certain extent to which it becomes an act of engaging with a kind of scripture. It's not quite science anymore when you stop really caring about... <sighs> caring about accountability. Um, if you really, really want to get hard into this stuff, I highly recommend Oda, Ross, and Carrie because they actually yeah. go yes. to ufology conferences and talk to these people. And sometimes, as a person, I find it very difficult to listen to because of how hostile they can be about the validity of what is essentially an aesthetic belief. I have no problem with people who have aesthetic beliefs, but when you use it to reinforce possibly harmful ideas, I'm not yeah. so into that. And we'll talk about that a bit yes, later. Yes, we will. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about why ufology doesn't really get to be in the same party. Okay, so I should say <laughs> right off the bat, I have a real hard thing about pseudoscience where I get very upset uh, about things that get... get... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let's not... I'm not gonna try and make anyone angry. Let's just talk about how um, pseudoscience tends to be criticized because uh, it doesn't have a lot of supporting evidence and because um, it a lot of people don't actually adhere to the science method. It's very speculative. It's one of those things where people talk about things that they think are cool or make leaps in logic that are fallible. That kind of uh, Fermi paradox brings you to mind of, you know, people who say, well, it's impossible that X could happen because this thing is rare. Very few things are complete. Like when people say science can't explain, usually science can explain, but it's yeah. like eight different things influencing it. So chill out a bit. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> there are a couple of, of categories that people actually use in order to talk about the kind of UFOs, um, specifically unidentified flying objects, things that are, you know, out extraterrestrial encounters, whatever. Anyway, uh, they can talk about, under the Hynek system, they can talk about nocturnal lights, anomalous, anomalous lights seen in the night sky, daylight discs, or DD, any anomalous object, but generally not, but necessarily 
discoidal, seen in the distant daytime sky, radar visual cases, objects seen simultaneously on eye and radar, and close encounter categories such as CE1, strange objects seen nearby but without physical interaction with the environment, CE2, a C1 case that leaves physical evidence, e.g. soil depressions, vegetation damage, uh, radiations or causes electromagnetic interference, and C3, C1, or C2 cases where occupants or entities are seen, and there are other levels of this. Um, we talked about before um, in our, I forget exactly which episode, but we've talked before about apophenia. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember what episode we talked about that in. So humans are really, really good at seeing patterns, like crazy good, um, and Gray, we are- man? Gray man of Ben McDewey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I yeah. would- I would reference that in that humans are exceptionally good at seeing patterns of drawing uh, connections between possibly uncorrelated things. That's why magical thinking is a thing. Um, and imagine if a bunch of people just kind of decided that magical thinking was the basis for uh, science hmm. and that. And, of course, there are people who tend towards the trying very hard to do scientific research within the community that like i'm not saying that that doesn't exist but uh it but a lot of people uh, don't do that <laughs> and also want to sell you um like weird copper diodes that they think are going to cure your cancer and that's not in any way damaging <sighs> anyway there's also the uh Vilei system talks about uh close encounters Maneuvers, flybys, anomalies. Look, you get into an atmosphere, you're gonna see stuff. Like, weird clouds and stuff. Please. Okay, I'm just getting <laughs> angry now. Let's talk about something else. Um, so, I would, again, compare a lot of ufology outside of, you know, SETI and uh, NASA involvement as kind of like a massive ARG almost situation or like uh, it, it kind of has created its own very intense folklore like talk about the Disclosure Project and like get into Stephen Greer and all these people who basically go on the tour of these conferences and talk about their books that they've written and their understandings and how they know for sure that this thing happened etc etc uh, and it's, for me at least, a little bit exhausting. <laughs> um, but you can find some fun stuff. Like, did you know that apparently owls are a sign that aliens are around? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Owls oh. are uh, have some kind of psychic link with aliens. <laughs> also, baby owls with no feathers on them look like aliens. They so. super duper do. Yeah, that's, yes, they do. They're also adorable. They are uh, very, very cute. Big ol' eyes. So let's talk about ancient aliens. <laughs> so, Caitlin. So Bernadette. You know how the pyramids exist? Uh-huh. And uh, those really big uh, drawings out in the uh, South American desert and... Uh, and burial mounds and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Uh, so white people didn't build those. Correct. And because of that, some people who I assume, like, just really didn't get into their history classes or something uh, say that because of that, and of course they don't say because of that, but the ancient aliens thing uh, tends to be a lot of attributing um ancient works that are of scientific or mechanical, uh, like, high ability to aliens because <laughs> racism. Because racism. <sighs> uh, and, like, this thing comes up a lot. People really like, you know, you've seen Space Odyssey. Like, people like the idea that maybe we had alien contact and that gave us thought or something or maybe you know jesus was an alien or something and also all religions are aliens and that's fun but what's not fun is saying like oh i bet that 
the pyramids were built by aliens. Let me explain. Uh, so I, I really do take a hard stance on this one because yes, there is no other stance to have. You cannot, you cannot believe that aliens built, built these things just because white people didn't do it. (laughs) You dig far enough into these and it says, here is a culture that was advanced mechanically or scientifically. And as someone in the Western world with a largely classicist Western background, I'm deciding to discount that achievement by attributing it to literal extraterrestrials. Uh, And again, a lot of this is couched in different degrees of quote-unquote research, um, and some people make less less obviously uh, hostile arguments where they say, well, maybe humans have had interactions with uh, aliens that have given them these technologies, or look at this weird thing, but mostly it comes down to I don't have a full understanding of this culture or this history, and yeah. uh, I'm not interested in the geology or um, or anthropology behind it. Aliens. Yeah, and basically, that's why I want to <laughs> carry on. I was just gonna say, basically, what it's doing. Like some people, I know that there are going to be people who, hopefully, we have listeners who are willing to listen to this. But people who are like, well, it's just it's just a theory. It's just a thing. But no, it's literally it's it's that's, rooted in racism. What All it does is, is it it undermines Yeah, exactly. It undermines the the intelligence and and agency and in, like like of of it's of these okay. cultures. Like it's So do ugh. you know about um there were I'm going to be an idiot and not remember the name of it. Um so there were in, I believe, Middle Africa, there were these vast, like, stone castles that were engineered to be, like, structurally sound without mortar, and it's all of these stones fitted together into mm. these uh, structures. And it's basically people who were venturing south at the time from Europe, you know, uh, Christian missionaries, people looking for resources to exploit saw these and said oh there must have been europeans here because these locals couldn't have built this it's basically the modern equivalent of the oh i'm sure our ancient christian ancestors or some ancient christian king lived here and built that uh, othering these people from their actual achievements historically uh <laughs> and they're like in inherited actual culture and being like no i don't think you did that that doesn't make sense to me yeah doesn't make sense to me a lot of this stems back to a single publication i'm sure it had been a thought around them but there's a uh i believe it's a book yeah a book called chariots of the gods question mark <sighs> Um, as featured on TV as In Search of Ancient Astronauts, which is by Eric von Deniken. Um, and it's, it's like the, the title, oh God, everything, like on the book it says, the startling book that asks, did astronauts visit the Earth 40,000 years ago? Is there evidence of a prehistoric airfield in the Andes? Did extraterrestrial beings help set up the giant stone faces that brewed over Easter Island? And other nope. Earth mysteries unanswerable until our own space age. Like, no! <laughs> Like literally, like all of all of this, it's it's pseudo archaeology. It's 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 baseless, and it it's heads it, up. He's still kicking and being no way annoying. No, yep. he's uh, eighty three. Uh, literally, like, yeah. The the only not like the only white work that is not that it, or that ever really falls under this did aliens do it category is like Stonehenge but that's but bare, like it's not not even really on the forefront and he barely even mentions it in this book like he kind of makes want, uh, some makes character references uh, he had previously uh, falsified hotel records and credit references in order to take out loans and basically um, did a bunch of fraud in order to live off of this extremely <sighs> silly book yeah, if if you want to know how awful this work is and why it's it just blows my mind that it's still being this the, the theories that came from it are still being discussed today. This is this is very nasty what I'm about to read. So if we want to 
skip forward 15 seconds from this point, maybe do that. Um, so a few of the many racist questions and statements posed by the author. One was, quote, was the black race a failure and did the extraterrestrials change the genetic code by gene surgery and then program a white or yellow race? Like, how... Like, why is something that has that line in it still considered any sort of anything? Oh, my God. It's disgusting. To modern Western culture, where white supremacy lurks just below the surface. Welcome to our political podcast where I get very angry. Uh, But anyway, that's not cool. Um, I'm going to talk about a very specific thing that people tend to reference a lot when they talk about this as like a but what a good historical reference of course anyone with like a thought would say oh no this is obviously not that so i want to talk to you about amarna art uh people bring it up a lot because they're like look at these ancient egyptian depictions these are aliens look these are aliens Uh, i want to tell you a little story about a fellow uh, whose name was Amenhotep IV, although he did change it, uh, he was kind of a weirdo. And I'm being very polite there, in that uh, he became pharaoh in the 18th dynasty of Egypt, and he ruled for 17 whole years, so we're talking about, like, up to maybe 1334 BC. And he decided that after inheriting essentially one of the longest living empires uh, in all time on Earth, that he was going to throw out the established religion that essentially gave him his power as a pharaoh, who I think we've talked about before the idea of pharaohs as God's manifest. Yeah, yeah, Like, they derive their power from the uh, the religious Egyptian pantheon. Mm -hmm. Um, Like... He even has his name, Amun, in the name uh, Amun. Amun being, like, a head deity. Amun being a big a big deal. Um, I'm trying to think. He doesn't have an a animal head, so if you're not into this thing, you might not know about him. But in some versions, people refer to him emblematically as fused with the sun god Ra as Amun-Ra. So you oh, might have yeah. heard that phrase before. Mm-hmm. But uh, Amun is a past pharaoh, so he was apparently a living... Like, people like to say that he was a person who lived and then ascended, and that's very important because, as you'll note, that gives uh, young Amenhotep IV his power, right? So when (laughs) Amenhotep IV ruled for about five years being normal, and then he said, no more polytheism... We're gonna wa- worship Aten, who is kind of a sun god, but not Ra, um, and he's gonna be the only god, and we're all gonna like him a whole lot, and uh, everyone's gonna worship him, and also, I'm gonna change my name to Akhenaten, so I'm gonna go from Amun-Hotep, uh, you know, honoring Amun, to Akhenaten, honoring Aten, who, uh, again is basically the sun, and uh, he liked to think of him as, like, above all other gods, and was essentially attempting to establish a cult of personality around himself and the god Aden. And for a little while, it worked. Um, He created a lot of art. Um, You'll be familiar with it because of the Amarna art style. So the Amarna art style... Uh, you'll recognize Amarna art if you've ever read any of these kind of garbage articles, but also if you've ever studied uh, Egyptian art history, because it's in stark contrast, uh, the forms are more organic, Mm -hmm. uh, there are less straight lines, people have softer bodies, there's more movement, Uh, they have these larger heads that I say would be more consistent with the practice of um, head flattening, Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a practice that has been recorded and still goes on today and is a thing that people can see. Anyway, they have kind of these longer arms and uh, slender bodies and bellies and 
a lot of people think they look like aliens. Oh no. Guys, they're, they're not. They're not aliens. They're just they're just people who aren't from your culture. Oh so, no. So specifically like this was just a kind of art that Akhenaten sponsored that he liked and he thought was attractive and he thought benefited his rule by making him culturally distinct. He had his own essentially his own propagandist art style. That's not that wild of an idea. The futurists did it with the fascists. This guy did it with Aten. Uh, there's very little depiction of what we would consider traditional uh, Egyptian objects of worship, which means that when uh, <laughs> when Akhenaten died and his son uh, Tutankhaten came over, uh, as Pharaoh, sorry, took over. What am I talking about? I'm sorry about words. Uh, when Tutankhamun came over, uh, he ditched a lot of this stuff. Like, people were not super into it, and uh, people who came after him talked about Akhenaten as the enemy and <laughs> the criminal. So almost everything that was created in his time was dismantled or hidden or smashed, or just destroyed, because people just were not into it. Like, they had literally, uh, like, millennia of this religious history that this guy had attempted to, uh, to change in the space of 30 or so years, and people were not into it. <laughs> uh, anyway, you might know about his son, because after he took his god sorry i was paging over and a picture of a doctor who episode just came out apparently <laughs> this guy comes up in a doctor who episode uh tutankhamen changed his name to tutankhamen and then mm -hmm. died famously and didn't get his his tomb pillaged and so he's famous i realized that was a very dismissive way to talk about tutankhamen but that's a pretty condensed version of that history, but the idea that this different art style, which was predicated on the idea of having propaganda to set one ruler apart from the rest, to power essentially a religious coup, uh, <laughs> and then to reinterpret that thousands of years later as alien aliens is pretty wild. Literally, <sighs> they just have a slightly different art style. Than what was that, previous, yeah. It was yeah, what was being. It, it was. It was what, what was, was being, being patronized. Sponsored. It was what, yeah. yeah. And it also explains why it disappeared after, because people wanted to destroy any association with what was essentially a very unpopular uh, <laughs> ruling period. Yeah, that's pretty common throughout history, including uh, Western history. So let me chill out a bit. Yeah. Basically. Anyway. Basically, the point is not aliens. They're just not. Your culture, God. It's more complicated than that. It's more complicated than aliens. Oh, it yeah. frustrates me. We've had we have had t conversations multiple times in the past about about this and how frustrating and absolutely bananas of a concept it is. We, I feel like I should say that from the perspective of someone who's completely an outsider to this, it could seem like we're having a very extreme reaction, but. Uh, especially from, you know, going and trying to research these things, you have to understand that these are some really insular, self-confirming conspiracy cultures. Yeah. And that's, like, pretty common in the age of the internet, but uh, it it's deep in there, and you have a lot of people making a lot of money off of these ideas, yeah. which I'm not into... Mm -hmm. uh, and would like to discourage in general. Yeah, and it basically, like, it may seem to someone who, if you don't think about it very hard, like, it's easy to be like, oh, it's just, oh, oh, funny theory. Like, but really, like, it's really what we want to get across is how harmful and just rude it is to have, basically, imagine having your entire history undermined their credibility, their architecture, their intelligence belittled and undermined because someone else thought that they weren't smart enough to do the things they did. So they're telling everyone, literally, there's there are television shows, there are series, there are episodes upon episodes of a series called Ancient Aliens, 
Like this isn't a, like these people yeah. talk about this, giving giving credit to something that doesn't exist and that never happened. So it's it's a frustrating concept, and it's uh, we would like to be loud about how awful and very racist it is. So thanks for letting us talk about about that for as, a significant amount of time. Long as we are um, getting into this kind of yucky part, um, we should really quickly talk about uh, reptilians <laughs> because I feel like it's important to say that uh, reptilian humanoids, the idea of like, you know, lizard people wearing human skins tends to be associated a lot in people who are writing them as uh, as allegories for <laughs> other non-white races. Think, yep. if you will, of the H.P. Lovecraft yes. uh talking about oh my god at some point we're gonna do an episode as... about hp lovecraft and we will dunk on him for for an hour yeah. or two so just know that a lot of people who wrote story wrote these things about the idea of there being uh lizard people taking over a society also wrote say anti-semitic uh treatises so yeah. just keep that in mind when you are thinking about uh you know secret sneeple yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's my little sidebar, which is... Uh, Be mindful of the cultural implica- implications of pop culture references. <laughs> Look into the people who are writing these things and ask, why were they writing these? Sometimes they were writing them to other and demonize a, uh ethnic group or other that was not them. As we, as we talk about, actually, essentially almost every episode... People like to use folklore to dehumanize people who are different than them, and this is no different. <laughs> and that's bad. Yeah. Uh, but as long as we're kind of playing in the ARG space of pretend things, <sighs> do you want to talk about the three kinds of aliens according to people who do these things? I'm ready. I knew but, you were looking into this, so I only have a vague vague overview, so this will be fun I and new for me. I literally just have the list, and I'm yep. going to... <laughs> I'm trying to have fun with this, <laughs> but there's an element of when you've just read a thing on, you know, this person wrote about aliens, and they also wrote that Jews are evil, where you're like, oh, this isn't fun anymore. This is just depressing. <laughs> But I'm going to pretend that I'm in a different space of kind of like a Scooby-Doo, and I'm going to read these out. Uh, So, according to, uh, uh, God, you know, people who who go to these things, including, uh, these are things where there are a bunch of different people who have published books that have completely contradictory, like, (laughs) theories, but they all go to each other's conference and, uh, and confirm each other as long as they're all being supportive. It's almost like a kayfabe. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you can't break the thing. As long as you're not breaking the illusion that this is all scientific, you're allowed to hang out. Otherwise, you're attacked. Or they have these fake feuds. Anyway, go listen to Ono, Ross, and Carrie if you'd like to listen to these people talk. I highly... No. I recommend it if... <laughs> That sounds like something that's interesting to you. I think it is genuinely interesting to hear someone who has a completely different worldview talk about what they think. And I think Ross and Carrie do a really good idea of keeping context to that. Yeah. Anyway, according to to the guide I found, oh boy, this is right underneath something called Is the Moon Hollow? Evidence Supporting (laughs) Hollow Moon Theory. But anyway, this article is by Carolyn Michelle who has a journalism degree. Good for her. So the three types of alien species. One, the greys. Two, the reptilians. Three, the Nordics. Get ready. (laughs) The greys. The grey alien is typically described as being very thin compared uh, to a human with an oversized head. They stand three and a half to six feet tall and weigh anywhere from 50 to 90 pounds. Think, if you will, of like the... uh, Aliens in the first couple seasons of X-Files, or, like, the kind you'd get on a fun hat. Yeah. The big heads and the big old, big round eyes. Yeah. 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 Like, Peridot, but gray. All right. And then, 
The reptilians, the Earth reptoids' facial features differ somewhat from the typical, more widely known gray aliens. With a slightly cone-like head, they appear to have bony ridges that appear at the forehead and continue all the way back to the skull, uh, as well as slits where you would expect ears to be found. Um, so you may recognize this as, like, Silurians from different things, like the idea of, like, here are lizard people who lived inside the Earth or visited Earth or they've <laughs> always been a part of our society. Anyway, uh, the third part, and this is the wildest. This one, for me, I do know about this one actually. <laughs> the Nordics. Described as humanoid extraterrestrials, the Nordics, also called blondes, have a very human like appearance and stand anywhere from five and a half to seven feet tall. In every relevant abductee account, the Nordics always have light blonde hair and light eyes. The most typical shade is described as blue, although reports have also described violet, pink, purple, and red. They're literally and green. just known to be in great physical shape and extremely attractive to humans. They're just Scandinavian people. <laughs> like that. It's so that whole thing. I don't. Do you know the origins of that? Because to, I'm like, did someone I just not can, like Swedish people? Like, I don't. I can. Re- I think they liked them a lot. Uh, so origin of the Nordics. The Nordics come from the Pleiades star cluster from 400 the, the, light years ago. The Pleiades. Yeah, there's a meteor shower that happens once or twice a year. They're the sisters. I do know about that. Yeah. Some of the, the first stories about these aliens came from Billy Meyer of Switzerland, who claimed he had several <laughs> visits from them beginning in the 1940s. A majority of his information came from discussions with a female Pleiadian named Samjess in the late 1970s and early 1980s. Oh and they God. just look like Tolkien elves. They, they do. Just They're just look like white, oh. blonde. They're mm-hmm. okay. Here, let's read the agenda of each of these because it's pretty yes, revealing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the gray alien agenda. Based on abductee reports, for the most part, the Greys seem to be scientific observers interested in the study of other life forms in the universe. They perform tests and medical evaluations upon their human subjects and then freed them. Uh, It's also been postulated that the Grey alien race is dying due to the fact that they were originally cloned by another race of aliens called the Reptilians. The Reptilians (laughs) formed the Greys and forced them into servitude. That is, until the Grey aliens formed a rebellion and escaped to wander the universe, thus finding their way to planet Earth. Oh my god. People believe that they were originally found, that those were the ones originally found in Roswell, and that this species made an agreement with the U.S. government. They offered advanced technology in exchange for the ability to be able to experiment with human subjects through genetic engineering to prevent the extinction of their race. This is actually like a subplot in the X-Files. Part two. Oh my god. uh, Let's talk about the reptilian agenda. (sighs) Oh boy. Oh boy. Alright. Here we go. So, uh, David Ick, a British writer, believes that reptilians have interbred with humans to form a kind of elite class that is now in power and has infiltrated all governments, businesses, banking, and <sighs> even royal families. These alien humans are apparently able to shapeshift to hide their true identity. Their agenda is to take over the planet by causing worldwide conflict so as to feed off the negative energy supri- supplied by human misery and occupation, as well as to corrupt humanity with their evil intentions. The Earth-dwelling reptoids supposedly dwell deep underground and in above-ground caves. They work on interrupt the Draco Reptilians' evil agenda to take over the world. Which, again, could be fun if it didn't have such harsh anti-Semitic undertones. And then, uh, do you want to hear about the Nordic agenda? I'm really actually very interested about the Nordic agenda. The Nordics are silent watchers of Earth, and their purpose <laughs> is to enlighten and by providing spiritual revelation and warm, uh, warn humans about behaviors that could potentially lead to catastrophe, including issues surrounding actions by the gray aliens and reptilians. Some proponents uh, say that ideas with a new age movement were given to us by the Nordics. All right, here's some more possible alien species. The Hopkinsville Goblin, a small greenish-silver humanoid. The Flatwoods Monster, a tall humanoid with a spade-shaped head. Little Green Men, diminutive green humanoids. Thank you for just rewriting the same thing. The Little Uh, Green Men actually have origins in a thing... uh, I was reading about this uh, uh, phenomenon or a legend called the Green Children of Woolpit. 
I don't oh, know if you've yes. Heard. Yes. Two two little kids with like an oddly sickly green skin color like appeared in some village in England. I don't remember, like 12th or 13th century, I think. And it was like a brother-sister duo, and they just had this weirdly green skin. They didn't speak English. They, they spoke, I guess, quote, I guess it was considered an unknown language. Um, and they would only eat, like, beans. Um, and then eventually they kind of ate other food, and they weren't so green anymore. But, the, like, the boy died. But it was, like, this is kind of considered to be, like, one of the origins of the, of the little green men. Like, I think both uh, Stuff You Missed in History and Stuff They Don't Want You to Know have episodes that at least reference these guys talking about the possibilities of, like, okay, was this a real story? Were these just ill children? Yeah. <laughs> or et cetera, like, et cetera. It's, it's, it's here, it's, it's pegged as folklore, so, like, I don't know if this is, like, something that actually happened or if it's, like, we talk about often, like, the way things are manipulated through time, if it's a culmination of a couple stories or if it's, if it was just a story kind of a thing, so, but yeah, yeah. it's this is considered one of the origins of the Little Green Men was these, the green children of Woolpit. Ooh, there's a quiz. Kaylin, do you believe aliens exist? Yes. <laughs> uh... No, I don't think I've ever encountered an alien. Uh, and it was not any of these vaguely <laughs> white supremacist videos. So, yeah, just just a, a lot there that we could talk about. <laughs> um, Yeah, okay, so The X-Files, no spoilers, because it's like 30 years old at this point. Uh, they include some stuff, including... Uh, the Greys, etc. There's this thing where it's like a recursive loop of things that get involved in pop culture then get codified as, no, this is actually part of the real thing. Uh, and get, you know, rewritten to be pseudoscientific. Um, but I think The X-Files is really notable for never, ever conclusively finishing any ever. of its storylines. <laughs> I started watching it, like, a couple of years ago because, like, everyone had said such good things about it. And I watched a couple episodes and then it stopped because I was like, nothing is ever wrapped up. And I hate it. Like, the story, the like, I enjoy like, the characters. I just hate that there's no conclusion to anything ever. It made me very sad. Oh, I just love, well, I exclusively love Scully. Yes, yeah. There's, I think I've talked to you about this before, that there's this episode of X-Files where they're at a quote-unquote freak show. And... In the closing thing, you know, the the monster of the week or whatever is uh, uh, some, you know, look, it's gross because they're a vestigial twin or something. But at the end, there's like this closing speech by uh, this guy who's got tattoos over his whole body. And he's talking about like, well, you should appreciate us freaks because we're getting rare. One day it's all going to be Adonis's like that like him and it cuts over to a shot of David Duchovny with his foot up like Riker and it's the <laughs> stupidest thing because it's played completely straight like one day they're all just gonna be conventional hotties like <laughs> that guy <laughs> why are you doing this to me X-Files it's amazing oh anyway uh what a beautiful trash fire <sighs> Do you have any other aliens to talk about? Otherwise, I can. I have like a humongous list of random UFO oh, sightings. Oh no, go for it! All right, and then at the end, I want to know your favorite alien. Oh God, okay. So, um, I'm gonna try to just run through the like. We won't talk probably very extensively about any of these unless you want to stop and pinpoint something or have any info extra on these. But I'm just gonna run through this list of a bunch of UFO sightings, uh, throughout the world. The, this first chunk is just like old, considered older sightings. Um, so in 1561 in Nuremberg, there was a large black triangular object that, according to witnesses, there were hundreds of spheres, cylinders, and other odd sha- odd shaped items that moved erratically overhead. Mm. Very fun, very very exciting. 1878, the Denison Daily News printed an article in which John Martin, who was a farmer, saw a large, circular, dark object that was kind of like balloon-esque flying at, quote, a wonderful speed. Um, <laughs> and it was the size of a saucer, which, and or he said it was about the size of a saucer, which was uh, apparently one of the first uses of the word in that association with UFOs, which is interesting. In 1897, thousands of people reported seeing what they called airships all over the United States. Edison, however, th- thought they were all faking it. <laughs> 
Thomas Edison was not into aliens. Um, in 1904, there was a sighting by crew members of the USS Supply. They saw three bright red meteors, one egg-shaped and the other two were round. Egg. Uh, egg-shaped. Big egg. Big eggs. They uh, came beneath the it's cloud layer and then went above the clouds and then kind of hung out and then left after about two or three minutes. Mm, spooky. Mm-hmm. The largest, okay, I love this, the largest had an apparent size of about six suns. Sir, that's not a very apt description of a sizing mm. a thing. Do you about mean from six from sons. your view as though, like, I don't know. You In, know, like six quarters held <laughs> up between my thumb and forefinger. Yeah. Uh, in 1916, a UK pilot saw a row of low lights that rose and then disappeared. In 1926, a pilot reportedly saw six flying manhole covers. In 1926, another one, an airmail pilot in Nevada, said he was forced to land by a huge wingless cylindrical object. Uh, in 1926, there a lot happened in 1926, uh, and a, a Russian explorer reported, quote, something big and shiny reflecting the sun like a huge oval moving at great speed. Um, and then another description was a shiny body flying from north to south. Field glasses are at hand. It is a huge body. One side glows in the sun. It is oval in shape. Then somehow turns in another direction and disappears in the southwest. So, <laughs> fun shiny object. In 1946... More than 2,000 reports were collected by the Swedish military of unidentified aerial object over the Scandinavian nation. Maybe it was the, maybe it was the Nordics. <laughs> um, they were also referred to as the Russian hail and later as ghost rockets, which is very Ooh. interesting. Um, but more than 200 of them were tracked on the radar by the military and were deemed to be real physical objects. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In a 1948 top-secret document, the Swedish authorities advise, uh, advised the USAF Europe that some of their investigators believe these crafts to be extraterrestrial in origin. Uh, there are notable U.S. cases. Obviously, one of the most famous, Roswell, which was in New Mexico, uh, which you talked about the involved maybe the, the little gray man. Local law enforcement officers, the U.S. military, just a bunch of, bunch of officials... Um, who allegedly collected this physical evidence and took it away from the crash site. There was, in 1948, there was the Mantell UFO incident. There was, in 1961, the Betty and Barney Hill abduction, which was the first reported abduction incident. There's movies based off of it. Um, in 1975, the Travis Walton abduction. Um, there's a movie based off of that one, which was, quote, but greatly embellished the original account. <laughs> Uh, 1997, the Phoenix Light, 2006, O'Hare International Airport UFO sightings. Um, in Uruguay, there, the Air Force has conducted UFO investigations since 1998 um, and analyzed over 2,100 cases. In Canada, they have been conducting investigations into crop circles in Alberta um, and still considers uh, the Falcon Lake incident in Manitoba unsolved. And Italy... There's UFO sighting in Florence in 1954, followed by a fall of angel hair, which I learned about because of this. Mm. There's like a bunch of phenomena. There's a lot of phenomena that are associated with, um, with UFO sightings, and this was one that like, like this like silky, almost like spider silk material, was f- like, f- like fibrous, cottony material was like falls from the sky or is found. After. Yeah, they have a lot of names it's weird. for stuff. There's like Again. a space jelly or star jelly was one. Big ARG energy. Yeah. Um, in 1973, they uh, an airplane saw a round, uh, mysterious round object. Uh, in 1978, two hikers uh, saw a bright light. One of the hikers disappeared and then was later found in a state of shock and had like a big burn on his leg. He then, when he was, like, fully conscious, he uh, reported seeing, like, an elongated vehicle that some strangely shaped beings descended from. (laughs) And then later, both of the hikers got pink eye, which is something that happens a lot in these alien stories. If you come in contact with an alien, you get pink eye. Stop touching eyes. (laughs) If you actually, if you want to hear a more... um, I guess probably more in-depth. Probably, I guess it doesn't at all have to do with not being able to wash your hands while you're in the forest. (laughs) Uh, um, if you want to hear a, a little more in depth and honestly with a little more production value than our show, uh, check out um, 
oh god i can't think of what it's called astonishing legends uh, a podcast uh they have they do a, a lot of a lot of stuff more more cryptid more this type of like alien stuff um but they do a couple of of alien encounter stories that are pretty cool and they have way way more in depth we're doing much more of an overview but they go into like specific cases and deep dive so if you are interested in that kind of thing they've got way more way more info if you, if this is the type of thing you like um Oh my gosh, I have so many. France, March 2007, French Space Agency published an archive of UFO sightings. There's lots. There, This is a few. Like, there are tons and tons. Like I said, some of these have, like, thousands upon thousands of sightings. But these are just just some to show you the span in which this, this encompasses. It's a lot. Yeah. Well, oh, I found out that I might be a reptilian because, and get this, I have eczema and I'm autistic, so I have scaly skin, and I have problems interpreting social cues, so probably a reptilian. That's exciting. Good to know we're both aliens. Good to know. Good to know. Uh, who is your favorite alien? Man, I don't even know. I'm really, like, I'm very much a fan of, like, any type of, like, incorporeal-like style alien where like beams mm, of light i'm asking for one specific alien a specific alien i have no idea <laughs> what's your favorite alien because obviously you have one uh, garris vicarian who i'm married to in <laughs> the video game mass effect oh i see i understand now what we're going for oh man yeah garris he's the <laughs> best and he's always working to make sure my engines are calibrated and that's not a euphemism <laughs> I'm very glad. Oh, man. Yeah, there's seriously, there is so much, and we could probably talk for episodes and episodes and episodes, but, man, like, we didn't even talk that much about Roswell or, like, Area 51, which are, like, some of the biggest... Let's do that on another That's episode. a That is not something we're good... We're, we're pretty much at our... At the end of, end of the episode here. But, yeah, there's un- unbelievably just bonkers amounts of things to talk about. Um... Let's speed through D&D Corner so we can get to pop culture, which we'll also run through because there's just tons, and I definitely only have a small amount. Um, D&D Corner, there's actually just a ton of alien homebrews for a lot of different ones. There was, like, Xenomorph. There's the gray alien. There's different alien technology in source books. There's uh, Rubber Forehead Alien. There's Alien Mm -hmm. Message, uh, Queen Alien, Alien Warrior, um, and then just tons, tons, and tons of stuff. Um... I did put, bring up the stats for the 5e homebrew gray alien. Uh-huh. Um, so it's like they're adapted for space travel and they can live for hundreds of years. Their alignment, their original mission is usually nefarious, which is not what we talked about earlier, so I don't know. Um, they tend to lean towards neutral or evil. Their size is small. Base walking speed is 25. Mm-hmm. They know the friends can trip, which is kind of funny. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, they're hey, te- us do your leader. <laughs> yeah. Also, do you want to go out for coffee? Basically. <laughs> Um, techno tinkerer, so they have proficiency with artisan's tools, which is funny. Tinkers use specifically, um, and they can uh, use those tools and spend an hour and ten gold pieces worth of material to construct tiny high-tech devices, which has an AC of five and one hit point. Uh, <laughs> so you basically um, you can make a drone, which you can remotely move this device. Has a fly speed of ten feet and hovers. Um, you can control if it was within thirty feet of you. And then, uh, or a noisemaker, when placed on the ground, it waits for one minute and then makes loud beeping and clicking noises that can be heard 90 feet away. Uh, or a dream catcher, which, when placed on the forehead of a sleeping creature, this device records the creature's dreams, can store one hour of data, place the dream back in a psionic format that only the gray alien can understand. So that's interesting. Um, Very cool. Yeah, there's there's ultra mind hide self, uh, so you are not stealthy by normal understanding, but when you make the stealth check, you can use your intelligence modifier instead of your dexterity modifier, which is interesting. Whoa, mm-hmm. I don't have either of those. Yeah, <laughs> uh, frail evolution has driven your species to a alarm- larger cranial capacity but weaker muscular structure. You can never benefit from advantage on strength checks, strength based skills, or strength saving throws. I love that. <laughs> And then the Grey Outsider, you're not accustomed to the ways of this world. You must complete five levels in the Grey Outsider class before you can take any levels in any other class, which is very funny. Oh, no. So, so My, it's basically a tiny, weak I'm struggle bus. I'm going to play a barbarian Grey <laughs> You can never, never gain benefits of a rage. Nope. That's funny. Can't do anything. Oh, man. But, yeah, that's our D&D corner. 
It's very funny. I did not realize. I thought I didn't think I would find a playable race, but I did. So there you go. If you're interested, it's on uh, D and D Wiki. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, Pop Culture Corner. Tons and tons and tons and tons of things just called Alien. Um, there's the film by Ridley Scott. There's the f- sequel by James Cameron. There's Alien Three, the third Alien. film in the series. Aliens. Alien. Alien. Alien Two. Alien. With an unproduced film. An incomplete 1960s Indian American film. Prometheus, Alien 2016 Mexican film. film. <laughs> uh, Race to Witch Mountain, the the uh, uh, two, uh, 2009 sequel slash reboot of Escape to Witch Mountain, which we've mentioned before, uh, features Area 51, which is pretty cool. Uh, the the sequel of the Escape to Witch Mountain, which made me think I was an alien as a kid. Uh, Star Wars, Avatar, Men in Black, Toy Story, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, E.T., Lilo and Stitch, Day the Earth Stood Still, lots of movies, just Futurama. millions of Futuramas and uh, TVs. Uh, Contact. Yeah, Contact. Um, in TV, X-Files, Star Trek, Archer, Looney Tunes, Invaders, and People of Earth, Conehead, Scooby-Doo, Doctor Who, Steven Universe, Babylon 5, Andromeda, Stargate, Ben 10, American Dead, Dragon Ball, Teletubbies, I guess they're aliens. I didn't know that, but they are. Yeah, dude, they look like aliens. I didn't know they were supposed to be. I thought they were just funny little soft creatures. Uh, Marvel's Runaways. Um, uh, in literature... Bunch of things just called Alien. The 1902 novel. Uh, there was a play called Alien, 2010, by Annie Baker. Area 51, mm. the Dreamland Chronicles, a nonfiction book about Area 51 in Nevada. Uh, the Alien uh, from Animorphs, which is the, from the eighth book in the oh, Animorphs yeah. series. Uh, Alien novels, which is an extension of the Alien franchise. And then When the Tripods Came, which is a short story. Uh, video games, Aliens, based on the on the movie. Uh a text, there's Aliens, a text-only clone of Space Invaders, written f- uh, for the CPM operating system. Uh, Area 51, Alien, another one. Another Alien. Alien uh, game, Isolation. <laughs> Alien Isolation, a game by Konami, based on the sequel of the film. Uh, uh, pff, Kerbal Space Program, Halo. Okay, uh, Kerbal Space Program is pretty fun. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh Halo, Star World, uh, and in comics, I'm going to mention Homestuck, even though it technically it's an alternate timeline thing, but they refer to themselves as aliens. They're so I think aliens. it's fine. They're still aliens. There, uh, there are so many. There are so many things. That's still such a small list of all the things that there are. Um, aliens, man. <laughs> people aliens, like man, talking about. Everywhere. People like talking about them. Yeah, I'm still. They really do. I'm still very sad that I probably cannot put the X-Files theme in this episode. Uh, well, I really hope you can. And also, <laughs> you're making me want to reread Homestuck again. I am doing that thing. So. Oh, man. No. <laughs> heck. Hey, man. The 10-year oh, t- oh, anniversary is less than a month away. Oh, God. We're old. We are. I'm older than you. By barely. <laughs> Oh, well. Anyways, this has been a good surprise two episodes. We didn't know we were going to get two episodes out of this. So, hey, look at that. And Um, heck, in future we might get another one. Yeah, maybe. We'll find something more specific to talk about instead of just doing this big general overview, trying to grab as many things as possible and then yell about racism. (laughs) So, I mean, that's kind of how our episodes usually go. So... (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for coming to our party thanks for so much for listening to another episode of stone houses our next episode goes up april 7th i think if i did my math right um as we mentioned before we have a coffee if you uh want to toss a couple bucks our way to support the show uh you can find us at ko-fi.com forward slash stone houses cast if you enjoyed what you heard today please share our show with a friend rate review subscribe it means a ton to us and it tells <laughs> podcast hosting sites that we're worth a listen and they might Yay. share our show to other aliens like us if you got mad about the ufology stuff sorry dude them's the the <laughs> them's, them's, the the them's the breaks um don't at me <laughs> don't at me uh, you can check us out at StonehousesCast on Twitter and Instagram uh, or Facebook.com forward slash StonehousesCast to get info and updates about our show and uh, episode announcements and all the art and stuff that we have fun making. And it's part of the experience. Get on it. Uh, if <laughs> uh, Thanks to anyone else who has been posting or tweeting about the show. Again, we just recorded the last episode, so I have no new shout-outs to make. But shout-out to you, dear listener, who is undoubtedly not an alien and is definitely for sure absolutely a human for sure 
<laughs> you can tag about us and post us at StoneHousesCast or using hashtag StoneHousesCast so we can see it and appreciate you and definitely not reveal your secret that you're super duper. You're definitely human. It's fine. So this, yeah, has, been, this has been Stone Houses, an amateur guide to fiction, fable, and folklore. I am Caitlin Bruder. And I'm Laura Bernadette Meeker. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week. Bye. Uh, bye. Look out for aliens. I couldn't think. I was going to try to sing the X-Files theme and I lost it. So. <laughs>